welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast! This is the podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us Americans, cutting edge mental health knowledge with Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the Greater Vancouver area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from Port Moody. I'm Chris Boyd, a psychotherapist from Coquitlam. Okay. I don't think I've, we've heard Port Moody. No, I really switched it up. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. You guys have a lot of choices, I guess. We do. Just say Vancouver area. Well, guys, it's been a couple of weeks. How's everyone doing? Everyone uh, winding down their summer? Yeah. Our uh, little... Am I back? Yeah, you're here. Yep. You never went oh, anywhere. Oh, gosh. It froze away. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, no, we had a, a crazy hot summer, as we had been talking about, but that's seems to be over now. So now we have normal temperatures and things seem a little bit cooler. Some of the leaves are starting to change already, actually. Everyone's, yeah, we're starting to feel fall-esque. Fall-esque, yes. Yeah, well, uh, it's probably nice. We're in Southern California, still experiencing a heat wave. So, and we haven't really begun our fire season yet. So we'll see how things go. Yes, and your students are back in school. Ours don't go back yes. until September 7th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we've had students in school for a couple of weeks now. Pretty wild. Yes, so I guess uh, I guess with summer winding down, the changing of the seasons, do you guys actually, do your leaves change colors up there? Oh, they sure do. Do they? Yep. What I time? What what time do that does that what time of year does that happen? I'm gonna say October. So around Canadian Thanksgiving is pretty peak for uh-huh. where we are. So Whistler, which many listeners have probably heard of Whistler, BC, um, great tourist destination for skiing and snowboarding and that sort of thing. Their peak is typically early October, and then our peak is maybe a week or two after that. Okay. So September start, yeah, or even, yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, builds pretty good through September. Yeah, seems some vibrant trees out there right now. That's awesome. Be beautiful. I know, I know you miss the foliage, Ryan, being an Oregon guy living down in Los Angeles. Yep, I I lived a lot of places where it was in in Portland, it was. Definitely the trees would turn. That was lovely. And uh, I moved to, to Bend and lived there for a lot of my life. And it was mostly evergreen. So it was just green turning to green. Mm. And now I'm in Southern California where it's usually green and like the hills are nice and green in the spring. And then it just turns brown. Because <laughs> oh. things just kind of dry up and die. And that's about it. Mm. Breathtaking. It's stunning. <laughs> Stunning. Yes, it is. Beautiful stuff out there. Well, cool. Um, Well, let's go ahead and dive into our topic, shall we? Oh, I think so. Because we get to talk about 
a book tonight. And it's uh, the the moment we've all been waiting for, the book club, right? Book club. Do we have a jingle for this? Let's listen to the jingle. was amazing wow <laughs> such I, a good jingle joe well done i never get over joe's joe's lyrics for that it's just it's breathtaking i just yeah. love the intonation you know like the yeah it's really Book good club. <laughs> yeah club. you're welcome oh perfect it's, so uh, before we jump into book club i'm just curious how many people read the book versus listened? Listener, right here. Listener, over here. I'm a listener too. Oh, we all so listened. So we all listened, um, but I've decided to use this book for a presentation for our group. So the private practice that Joanna and Chris and I work at, we do every year in October, we do a case or a group meeting and we all present to each other. So I'm going to do a presentation on this. So I actually bought the book as well. So I have a hard copy. So I'm very curious to see the handouts that they refer to, the PDFs like in my hand and be able to flip through and stuff. But yeah, we all listened. Uh, it's interesting. I, I'd be curious actually to take a look at the book sometime because the the audio book, it was, it was actually pretty nice because it was, it was kind of conversational. I know it was scripted, but the sort of set up to be kind of conversational between Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry. Perry, Dr. Bruce Perry. Um, and so there was kind of this little back and forth. And also there would be these snippets of, uh, of Oprah, like interviewing someone on her show. Yeah. And it was actual clips from the show. So that was nice little audio clips there that kind of spiced yeah. it up. So I'm curious how that works in on print form, you know? I wonder if this, was, if this book was actually written to be an audio book? And Maybe. then adapted for type. Maybe. Just how it played out. Yeah, well, well, guys, let's dive into this book, shall we? Yeah. So for listeners uh, who don't know, we read What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. That is the book we will be discussing. Go! And it just came out like within the last year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Came out within the last year. In fact, they were talking about the pandemic and uh, lockdown a bit in the book. So it's something that's uh, fresh. Absolutely. So uh, Joanna and I seem to work a decent amount with trauma. And Chris, I think you've read Dr. Perry's other book. Um, I know I have. I'm pretty sure Joanna, have you? The Boy Who Was Raised by Dog. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a good book. Yeah. Very good book. So Ryan, what were, I'm just curious, uh, yeah, on your thoughts on this, because you always refer to us as the trauma people. <laughs> and this was definitely a trauma book. It was a trauma book. Um, what I also appreciated about it, though, was that it's also, it was also kind of a, uh, 
a depth book. Like, you know, I kind of have the, the psychodynamic roots, which means that I, I like to look at kind of what are the origins of people's issues? You know, why, why does someone feel the way they do and why do they do the things they do? And, uh, and that's definitely in line with everything that, uh, that they were talking about here. So they're talking, so, so the whole point that they just drive home and boy, I've got a couple things to say about that, but they really drive home the point of like, it's, they really want to, to have people start asking the question, what happened to you? Not what's wrong with you or what, uh, you know, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing wrong? But it's what happened to you as a, as a starting point for people to start looking at, um, you know, why are, how did these uh, behaviors and these feelings and these issues develop and uh, that will help inform us as we're treating people going forward. So I, I felt like it fit very nicely with my, my kind of framework in, in any case, you know, um, instead of just saying, okay, here's the behavior, this like a more cognitive behavioral approach would be, here's what the behavior is, how do we change it? And you don't really pay much attention to why it's happening or where it came from. That doesn't really matter so much in, in CBT world. It's more of just, okay, let's just change the behavior, change the thoughts. And this says, no, we really need to pay attention to where it came from and why. So I like that. Awesome. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Joanna or Chris, do you have any initial thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I kind of smiled about the, the key point they uh, kind of sent home there, Ryan, when you said it, because <laughs> they probably mention it like 352 times in like as they're going of <laughs> it's not this or that it is what happened to you and it's just it's just yeah I think even throughout yeah every chapter they say it multiple times so they definitely make sure that's uh, it's a very important point and they definitely mention it many times um but I really I, I joke about it because it, it that got a little old for me it's like okay it, Oprah like 100%. Oprah's really she wants yeah. to make make sure this is her it got legacy. old for me too. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. Yes, what happened to you? Yeah. Um, but she yeah. even makes a point of saying that, like, that's, and I didn't really realize this with a lot of Oprah's work. I never really watched the show, but it's like, that's really been a big focus in a lot of her when her show was on, was like really looking at people's lives, looking at how trauma affected them. Sorry to butt in, Joe. No, um, yeah, I didn't really know. I thought it was interesting. I didn't really know about their relationship when I saw Oprah was kind of, uh, on this book, authoring it, I was like, oh, I wonder what her deal is. And I actually, I didn't know a lot about Oprah and I didn't really know that their relationship goes back uh, many decades. And I think that was pretty cool. I think uh, they've obviously done a lot of really good work together in the trauma field and for her own background and all the work she's done. Um, I like that. I like that kind of introduction to it. Um, and listening to the book as well. I like the conversational style. Uh, you know, I like to think of them sitting there together, although they're probably not, um, and just kind of chatting and kind of going through their own histories and their own experiences. Um, I like the mix of like case studies through Bruce Perry's work, which is great. I also liked Oprah kind of, um, you know, bringing up different interviews she did and also her own um, stuff there. So I, it was a easy listen, I felt. So initial thoughts were it was an easy listen and that's all I'll share for now. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It flowed really well compared to our previous book, The Black Swan, which was a bit of a heavy, heavy read. 
Um, I agree with you, Joanne. I don't really know a lot about Oprah, to be honest. I never really consider myself to be a fan of hers or a follower of hers, but what a pioneer when it comes to um, mental health and, uh, you know, touching on, you know, exploring these topics for, for a really long time, for decades, right? And with her, with the influence she gained based on her popularity and to, to actually get some of these people together and um, in the trauma field and try to make sense of it and try to make that relatable to people. It's kind of neat because sometimes there's a, there's a divide where you have uh, people doing some great work out there, but it's a little too complicated. It's, it's a lot of jargon. It's tough to get that message to uh, people in a way that they can understand it and comprehend it. So I kind of like the synergy the two of them had. So yeah, really first impression um, or is that, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it flowed really nicely. I enjoyed listening to it. Bruce Perry, what an all-star. Um, my goodness, we'll get into the details of it, but the way he was able to conceptualize these ideas with such confidence and mm -hmm. ease mm -hmm. was uh, impressive to me, you know. Yeah, Brooke, what do you think? Uh, I would echo what you guys have said. I too, not a big follower of Oprah, didn't know too much. Um, familiar with the fact that she interviews people and typically on difficult topics but didn't really know too much about her own background um, or how she was quite the pioneer in bringing up difficult topics uh, right from the outset, right? When things were still newer, not talked about, which is pretty cool to see. And um, the experience of listening to the book, I thought was really pleasant. I thought Bruce Perry's tone was like a therapeutic healing tone throughout the book his pitch and his cadence and his space, like, uh, yeah, just his delivery of his message was great, uh, which made it really digestible. I liked the back and forth. I thought there was a lot of information in there and I appreciated Oprah swinging in to kind of do the summary or the paraphrasing just to really try and hit home some of the points. So yeah, I'm on board with you guys. Overall, I like the book. I wouldn't be doing a presentation on it if I had it but yeah I think there's a lot of good stuff in there for sure yeah her jumping in there and saying hey what do you mean by this term or what do you mean like how is this different from that right um was, or so was a really nice touch. what you're saying is or let me see if I have this right yeah and kind of put wrapping it up a little bit um for the listener I think is a really positive piece is I did I've actually already referred this book to a few clients like it was that fast for me. Wow. Um, but, I, but the heads up that I gave them was that there can, like it could come across as a bit jargony. I thought the information that was provided was really good. It was thorough. I thought it was digestible, uh, but we are familiar with this language. We're familiar with trauma. We're familiar with neuroscience. And so for a novel reader uh, or someone that's just getting into trauma work, I do think that this would be a harder read potentially for them. I think it's a worthy read, um, but maybe a bit, it might be a bit challenging for them. Bruce has his model, which is he, his model of the upside down triangle um, of how trauma occurs and what that does to the brain and to the body and, uh, I had to listen to it twice, actually. I didn't really get it first, you know. 
And I've been doing this work for a long time. So I agree with you. I'm just piggybacking on what you're saying there, Brooke, that like, yes, I think it's good material, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's not, not everything is served up in the, the most user-friendly way, right? You might have yeah. to but sit to with make, it. Yeah. But to make note, if you get the audio book, there is a PDF that accompanies that. So you have like 20 pages of all the diagrams and different things they talked about. So that's kind of a perk of, I don't know if any of that's available. Actually in the book, they'd have all the diagrams too, wouldn't they? There you go. Yeah. There totally. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they do a. It's it's really a, a a deep dissection of how trauma affects people, how it affects the body, how it affects your impulses and your uh, kind of automatic responses, you know, and, and really goes uh, deep into the the kind of the pairing of things. Like if 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 you basically you're bit by a dog, then the next time you see a dog, you're going to have a response and um, a response that, you know, or have something that's reminds you of that experience, your body's going to react in the same physical way. And, um, and that's kind of a natural protective system that we have. And fortunately, he does, they do talk a bit about the fact that that's something that we can, we can work on, and we don't have to have that same trauma response every time we, uh, the fight, flight, freeze sort of response that we might have. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned uh, getting bit by a dog. Um, a lot of the examples they use, like Bruce Perry, is a, he's a hot shot in the trauma field. Like if there's a major crisis, he's, uh, he's often called up to, to deal with it. A lot of the cases that he discussed were pretty extreme. Yeah. Um, my goodness. Uh, the Branch Davidians in uh, Waco, Texas, right? We talked yeah. about the trauma experienced by the kids who saw this horrific thing take place in the mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah. Or he will just bring up a case like, oh, well, with this little girl who was forced to shoot her parents before fleeing to to America. And um, like it, it's a, this is his world that he works in these very extreme cases. Then, of course, Oprah, um, you know, she's she has the ability to to bring a lot of these stories to light, too, but also often on the extreme end of things, too. Right. Because, um, you know, she's she has a TV show. She wants to attract viewership. So. I think that was one one thing I would have liked was maybe um, a bit more examples of trauma that you know um, that aren't so extreme, you know, a little more relatable to maybe the general population, perhaps. Yeah, I think when they talked about children and stressful, stressful. I think they did relate a little bit that it doesn't need to. I don't know. They talked about a lot of um, like just chaos in the home and things like that. It wasn't necessarily like, or just forms of kind of neglect, or even if a parent's on their devices all the time and aren't responsive, like there's, I think they're trying to tailor it a little bit to um, what the general population might deal with. But I do agree. They had some pretty heavy hitting examples there of, of ne neglect and abuse and things like that. But um, find it all fascinating though. I think it's super interesting how he's able to work with those people and even Oprah interviewing the people she did. I think it's very interesting. Sure. Yeah. It's just so coherent and cohesive the message, which you don't often find in the field of psychology at times. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But some interesting uh, little tidbits of information, like I've never heard of, uh, you know, the talk about fight, flight, freeze. He added flock to that. 
Yeah. I'd never heard that before. I thought it was really interesting, but really resonated uh, with me because that's often people's initial reaction is uh, to flock, meaning to, to assess other people's reactions to that situation. Right. Um, so I thought it was intriguing. I don't know if you guys uh, picked up another little tidbits that uh, you didn't know prior to reading it. Um, a lot of it was just a really nice kind of review, but I liked, um, I liked when he talked about how, um, I don't know, if you're listening, if someone is really dysregulated, this is when it talked about like the relationships, like between people, a relationship is a super highway to the cortex, he said. I really liked like if someone is dysregulated, uh, whether a child, um, they gave the example, their um, regulation is key for uh, their safe connection is needed. Um, and so helping someone to co-regulate is really important, but whether reflective listening, and he talks about how we can be sponges for other people's emotional intensities. So they can catch our calm. I liked that. People can catch your calm. So if someone's having a tough time, just reflect. You can kind of be a sponge for some of the stuff they're kind of really getting out there intensely and and yeah I thought that was good I like the the catch the calm kind of thing yeah but you're and, right though the the importance of relationships and connection was a huge part of this book right I guess we know that as well before reading this book is such a big part of the healing process yeah yeah I um I appreciated little snippets throughout there's tons but I think I appreciated him stating that trauma processing happens in moments it doesn't have to happen like intense conversation over the course of hours that in itself can actually be re-traumatizing for people mm -hmm. um and just reaffirming that and and being aware of that because i think that's a misconception that so many people have that like we we have to talk about this and talk about it at length and whatnot but if somebody needs to drop in share a, a sentence or a moment and then draw and then distract or lift out um that's okay and that's healthy and we can give them space to do that and that's probably actually going to be healthier because i think that's a yeah a big kind of pitfall that people fall into when they start working with trauma or if they don't realize that that's what they're dealing with that there is a trauma background and they move too fast and which is actually more harmful Totally. So just giving the space. I also really appreciated the, uh, he mentioned it would take on average, I think he said six to 12 times of a positive connection to really build um, a relationship that somebody would consider safe or potentially safe and how those moments don't necessarily have to be 12 therapy sessions if you're a therapist, but they could be brief moments. So if you're somebody in a school and there's a new student that comes, you want to make sure you're connecting with that student in a positive, healthy manner, 12 different times, intentionally connecting. Like and five, they, minute, five minute little snippets. Even. Five minute little snippets. And then you will slowly become a healthier, safe um, person where they're then able to connect with you better. Right. So I thought that was really great and tangible and kind of takes the pressure off. Totally. As well, right. You yeah. Know? I love Mm -hmm. I love cool. that as well. That was a big takeaway for me. And he used uh, the story of a three-year-old boy who saw his sister like kidnapped, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and and they needed to 
interview this boy so that they could get a like a testimony to to use in court, something like that. And so they knew he knew that there were they would have to be these you know dozen different interactions, but he was like, we can't do just 12 therapy sessions. That, that takes too long. We need something sooner than that. So we had 12 interactions in a day, but they were just these small little interactions. And I just thought that was great. You know, the 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 building of trust is not just about the the verbal interaction between you know, him as the doctor and the little boy, but like the mom saying, oh, this is my friend, Dr. Perry. And, you know, can I get you a cup of coffee? Like just showing a, a, a friendly connection relationship there um, helps the person feel at ease. And then the boy feels a little more comfortable opening up. But that just, I take that into account regarding therapy and how, you know, clients oftentimes coming in, they don't know they might not know who we are. They might not know how therapy works. You know, of course, they're going to be anxious and scared and, you know, very doubtful. They're going to dive into their deepest, darkest pain uh, in the very first session. Yeah. It takes it takes a while and it takes kind of consistency and being able to trust the relationship can handle it. Not just the relationship, but as you speak, Ryan, of like uh, the boy witnessing the relationship between the mom and Dr. Perry. Mm -hmm. Also for us therapists, what it is, the experience of coming to the session. So your office itself, mm -hmm. the people, if you have a receptionist, the interactions with the receptionist, the, mm -hmm. the lighting or other people in the room or the music or whatever in the waiting room or how they witness uh, communication between colleagues as they pass by in the hallway or whatever that might be. So those to deem the, this, the place itself as a safe place. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one client of mine years ago, I forget who it was or under what context, but she had mentioned to me, one of the things that made her the most comfortable or knew that she could open up to me is because I always asked if she wanted a cup of tea and I would, I would get her the cup of, I would make the tea for her and bring it into the room. Mm. And for her, that was this monumental, like you're that symbolized that I was caring and compassionate and thinking of her and I was there for her. Huh. And um, yeah, Great. so that kind of stood out to me throughout that part of it. Yeah, it's the whole, the whole package, right? The whole package the whole and thing. then evaluating my own relationships with colleagues or friends or whatnot because sometimes I get on business mind you know and so the interactions are more blunt or abrupt or whatever and I'm like oh I probably didn't intentionally connect well with that person today I should probably do that mm. yeah Bruce Perry you know in his recent or the prior book the boy who was raised a dog it was kind of neat how he gets on the same level as kids right he gets on physically you know, meets, meets them eye to eye like he's six three he's a big guy but he will get on his knees or get on his hands and knees and kind of meet them eye to eye but play with them engage with them right and um so it's not about just sitting there in a traditional therapeutic setting and having a conversation it's um yeah he engages in a very non-threatening playful way i think he uses i think he comes across as a very genuine authentic person so i think he's just being himself which which definitely helps but it puts the disarms the kids a bit you know their level of comfort definitely increases right yeah great uh i thought it was interesting closer to the end of the book so throughout the book we're talking more about like individual trauma 
And near the end there, it turned into a bigger cultural discussion. So whether that is uh, talking about loneliness, loneliness is really popping up in a lot of our books here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the disconnection that we have, uh, but also racism was discussed a little and biases and internal biases and looking at that and what that means, epigenetics. I thought that part of the book was really interesting. I was like, I'm glad that they're taking that and trying to tie these pieces together as best that they, they can, given the time that they have. I enjoyed that part. Yeah, I agree. No, for sure. It was nice, nice tie in because that helps people understand that there is a, a generational aspect to this, right? Um, previous traumas can impact our, our well being, our level of reactivity now. But also, we've talked in this podcast about how um, familiarity often leads to a sense of safety and security. So, being patient with the process as well, and, you know, supporting someone, even if it's a, uh, if they're leaving a very difficult situation, it's not, you know, there's still parts of that that they're drawn to because of that familiarity. Um, I also liked how he, I don't know, when something to kind of help oneself, it's, um, or just talks about rhythmic, um, patterned rhythmic mm. movements. And so, you know, he, he, there's an example of like, if you're walking with someone who's really upset or you're, you know, to walk or to shoot hoops and kind of doing something like that rhythmically is actually a way to kind of keep oneself regulated, to help oneself get regulated. So I thought that was a good little reminder of the importance of, yeah, movements like that. So dancing, walking, shooting basketball hoops, um, you know, playing the drums. Music, something yeah. Repetitive. Yeah, music, yeah. yeah. Color as well, they yeah. reference color or uh, knitting and crocheting and yeah. yeah, and it start, you know, then you start thinking about all these clients that we're trying to get them to sit still when really maybe we should be moving a little bit more and giving them permission to do that. Yeah, I often have fidget toys or different things in the office for clients to do if they need it, but through COVID, you can really do that. No, no touchies. Yeah. But massage is another one for some people, not for everyone, but, you know, another kind of just repetitive movement. So I think, um, yeah, a little how to kind of help oneself. And he even, we talk about nature all the time, but walking in nature and just the natural sensory, um, sensory kind of things that nature provides is just also helpful. So mm -hmm. just a little. even alluded to the fact that, that like, evolutionarily almost, or at least in our, our uh, ancient uh, historical predecessors, you know, people in, in early tribal cultures, the, the coming together after a battle or something like that and beating on a drum and dancing was like probably something they used to help regulate emotions, mm. which I think is... You must have dug that, Chris. Come on. Evolutionary psychology guy. I think we addressed that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah, in maybe so. Evolutionary podcast. I think song yes. and dance came up. Yeah. 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 But just, he just said the importance of physical therapy. And also, so mm. if you are attending therapy to also do the things outside of therapy, like the walking, um, maybe go see a massage therapist if it, if that works for you or to get in some, because that could be really helpful to you. And he also just toted how so much of the healing happens outside the therapy office. Um, and just the importance of 
what you're doing on your own time and and those activities are equally as important if not probably more important yes Ryan. i have a bone to pick yes uh -oh. i have one bone to pick with this book and it was a brief little just a second that happened in this book but boy it really got my goat uh -oh. you ready for it talk about it yeah Okay. I need to talk about it. Yes. And then I need to like beat a drum or something to help regulate. So at one point, uh, Dr. Perry's talking about um, what happens in therapy. And Oprah says, oh, well, you know, I've never been to therapy, uh, but yeah. I talk with my friend Gail about all these things. Da, 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 da. And immediately what came to my mind was, why did you say that, Oprah? Yeah. Yeah. Why? What is important about saying that? Now, it doesn't matter if she's if she has been or has been. She's one of the biggest mental health advocates uh, in history. There's no doubt about that. Why do you have to say you've never gone to therapy? For one thing, why not go to therapy, Oprah? You have more money than God. You can go to therapy for a few sessions and say that you've been to therapy. Why not go to therapy for one thing? And number two, if you haven't been, why talk about it? Because what does that do but say to some people, oh, mm. no, I don't need therapy. I just need my friends. Also, if, if we want to have a whole podcast on how therapy is different than friendship, we can talk about that, too, because there are a lot of different factors there. I'm not, I'm not at all belittling friendship or trying to make any commentary on Oprah's friendship with Gail, but there are different they're very different entities and they, they serve different purposes. And there are ways that, that therapy and friendship um, cross paths and ways that they're very, very different and that friends can't do the same things that therapists do and therapists can't do the same thing friends do. So anyway, I just, I was just stuck with like, why, why, <laughs> why did you say that Oprah? That's a very good point. Yeah. 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 If, if, Oprah, if, like Oprah, if Oprah said, look, everyone, I've gone to therapy. I think it's great. I, immediately a million people would try therapy out right i think because that's that's the kind of pull she has down here if yeah. if she says i've never gone to therapy, i don't want to go to therapy or i'll never go to therapy then a, a million people would stop going to therapy Just, why even go there yeah like, no i didn't point. notice no. that too yeah yeah it was a bit of a jaw drop moment i think for us as therapists listening because uh, i agree there's so much influence there and by saying that is, I understand that she's being honest and open um, and she has done a lot of work in other, by reading and interviewing and immersing herself and she is a huge advocate, but yeah. Absolutely. What, what does that comment then, what ripple effect would that have to justifying, well, I don't need to because I have a friend or maybe Gail is going to be a really popular person now. I don't know. Gail is a really popular person. Gail's got her own show. <laughs> so she's already pretty famous. But but anyway, I just that's a little a little uh, little chip on my shoulder there about why Oprah as a as a mental health as a therapy, specifically a therapy advocate that I am, I'm like, oh, you just uh, kicked the profession in the shins with that one there, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it'd be tough for Oprah to get therapy. Because everyone knows she's such a big name. Everyone knows who she is. It'd be very tough to be. Let me let me just say right here today, Oprah. I'll, I'll I'll put all that stuff aside that I just said. You can come to therapy with me. I won't even charge you. 
just to come for a few sessions so that you can finally tell people, yes, I have been to therapy. Yeah. I offer my services. I think it's, yeah, I think it's great that she's obviously found her way through so many hardships and she's had oh, yeah. learning experiences and, but yeah, I know, I know what you meant. I, I was surprised. I was like, oh, dang. I was like, huh, I totally added, thought it would have been the opposite. <laughs> but added nothing as well, right? Added nothing yeah. to the, yeah. She, she still could have made her point about the importance of connecting with Gail yeah. without totally. saying that. She's also talking to Bruce Perry, who's, you know, an extremely passionate and effective therapist right <laughs> right so it's kind of yeah it's kind of ironic but. yeah yes well yeah. Uh, anyway that's just my little i guess it, it, with each one of these books i've got to have my little gripe <laughs> that was my As gripe for should. this book there should be a gripe that's a very good point excellent point yes well uh is there is there any other than that is there anything else this book this book didn't mention, or something you wish it would have uh, covered? Do you feel like it covered all the bases? Yeah, it didn't uh, really go into his sequential processing theory thing. Mm. Like they reference his sequential theory. Is it the theory that's? It's been a long week. Um, and they they kind of go over what that would look like a little a little bit. They don't dive into that, which I think needs to be a whole other book anyway, so that it's not a general population book that would be more of like a treatment or a training for that. So I actually looked on his website afterwards to see what I could find if there were additional trainings or seminars for therapists in that, but there wasn't really a lot there, which I was surprised. Mm. I think he has like six books or something and. Mm. Um, yeah, the boy who was raised by a dog was his like next most recent book. So all the other books were before that, which were quite a while ago. Yeah, it would be quite informative. I was curious about it though. Yeah, he's really good at it. He's been a pioneer in terms of understanding trauma. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he admitted too that he's not as, uh, he's not, a gigantic expert in terms of healing trauma he's working on it he's trying to figure that piece out right oh, and it's an ever ever evolving thing and that's what everyone wants to know is now what right i think it's in mm -hmm. this book yeah did a great job of describing it and emphasizing that's important messages that it, ooh, i feel like my um but yeah not so much a, a now what do you do with your trauma which i think could have gone more into some ideas for that for sure yeah, it was definitely more of a normalize and validate. Which is powerful. Like if you can Extremely build um, some understanding in terms of what's going on within you, it's it's huge uh, part of the yeah. healing process, right? Well, then, yes. yeah, your responses are no longer scary, right? And, and he even does a, a great illustration of that where he talks about a, a patient of his who suffered PTSD from war i believe and was like walking down the street with a new girlfriend and heard a backfire from a car and like had to jump down into the street between a couple cars to like you know he was truly thrown back into this flashback and um and the the, the patient brought his girlfriend to the next session saying can you ex please explain to her why it is that i you know what ptsd is and, and why it is that I'm, I'm reacting this way 
And so he went into his whole model. And 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 again, having that understanding and, and awareness, I think is it's half the battle right there. Just knowing, oh, okay, that's this kind of makes sense. You're responding in this way because you were conditioned to do that. And that's you know, you're suddenly thrown into this fight or flight or freeze or flock uh thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the treatment of it and actually changing your reaction, changing your response to that is more complex and uh and, and takes a lot of work and very intentional work that people do, which they didn't really get into like EMDR, um, some of the other more focused treatments for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Fisher's yeah. work and some other folks, but. He definitely mentioned it. Yeah. You know, he mentioned a lot um, and kind of the steps that it would take, but, but it definitely wasn't, if there's therapists listening to our podcast right now, it wasn't like a treatment manual style step-by-step here's what to do when you're working with clients the book was definitely made for more general population so that they can start to understand normalize and validate their own experiences right which is really great yeah improving stigma yeah going back to the whole idea of what happened to you versus what's wrong with you you. right right Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. What would you guys uh, give the book out of ten? Eight. That was so fast, Ryan. I've been thinking about this one. <laughs> I see your eight, and I raise you to eight point nine. Okay. I'm trying to think of what I gave all the other books, but I guess it doesn't, we don't need to kind of compare because I feel really like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right up there. I'll go with, I don't know, I'll go for a solid nine. Like Ooh. I think for what it is in terms of education and um, really normalizing things and sending some really good uh, messages as well as a lot of little nuggets of understanding trauma, uh, I think it did a great job. So I think it's, you know, it's not, says it's not a self-help book. It's not that. So I think it, what they did, they had a conversation. Um, I thought it was, uh, yeah, a nine. Solid very nine. Well, very well done. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go with 8.5. Okay. Wow. So it's my a rated book. It's a very highly rated book. And my eight is the lowest score. That's saying something, right? Yeah. yeah. So if uh, if she said that she loved therapy and therapy encouraged everyone to engage in therapy, would uh, it be an eight point three for you? Uh, yeah, maybe. If, honestly, <laughs> if if someone just even during the editing process of the audiobook just cut that sentence out, I think it would yeah. have risen about a half a point for me. Half a point. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like why that has no purpose. Yeah. Anyway anyway highly, highly recommended though yes very, very highly recommended we we give a, a pretty good stamp of approval to this one mm-hmm. yeah i think it was good well done joe you picked it way to go yeah. joe nicely right. done so what do you have in line for us next time uh, i think we're that's the topic at hand here so we got to figure that out i don't know we might we not have be to able take- to 
Yeah, we might have to take the conversation offline and then present it to the listeners next time. Okay. When is next time? In a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Okay. Yes. One of us is taking an end of summer vacation. I think two of you are taking an end of summer vacation. Oh, two of us are. Okay. Yes. So half of the group are taking a little step away next week, but we'll be back in two. In deep in and the heart of September. Turn is it next? Joe. Hi, Joanna. Joanna will have a topic for us in two weeks. And I guess we'll announce our new book. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. We could do that. Great. Well, look, this was a lot of fun. Indeed. A lot of fun and a, and a good book. I, I think it's safe to say this is our highest rated so far, right? I think. Well, I don't remember if it was this high for Together. Together was, well, Together was a pretty high one, but I don't know if it was. It's probably was somewhere close. Was it? Oh, okay. I think there was an eight or so. I think I think I was in the eights. Yeah, yeah. I it was too. Yeah. Well, whoever uh, out there, whichever of the listeners is keeping a tally, uh, keeping their spreadsheet going on our ratings for these books, um, you can email us at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. <laughs> Let us know. see that. Let us know what the stats are there. None of us are actually statisticians. We don't know. Uh, but that's, that's it. I guess that's it for tonight, guys. That's all right with you. We'll yeah. sign off for now. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. So please like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two. Or if you know Oprah, you can let her know my little gripe. Go ahead and pass that along. Email me if she wants to. Uh, And that's it, everybody. Have a great night. Great week. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you.